Welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. In today's episode, you'll be hearing from Bishop Scotty Scott as he brings part two of the message series, Outbreak. We hope you enjoy. I want you to declare freedom to their worship. I just, I just feel God free in somebody's worship. I feel, somebody, I feel God freeing somebody up to express their heart to him. I, 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 want you, I want your worship to break out the box today. Whew. I, don't know, I don't know who that's for, but I just feel this right now. The, the woman came to the, to the room where Jesus was, knocked on the door. Everyone was looking at her like she didn't belong there. She didn't care. They had a rumor out on her. She said, I don't care what you think about me. I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. They were fighting over who's going to sit on the right hand and who's going to sit on the left. And she said, you can take the right hand. You can take the left hand. You can take the seat. I'll take his feet. (laughs) See, God's about to raise up some worshipers that don't need a seat. God's about to raise up some worshipers that don't need a position. All they want is his presence. All they want is you just go ahead. You be this. You be that. I'll be whatever he needs me to be. And she, she began to break her worship at his feet. Somebody's worship's about to break out of the box. Ooh, lift that hand you're holding right now. I don't know what's been holding your worship back. I don't know what has felt like it's been contained in you. But there's about to be a worship explosion come out of your heart. Anything that's kept you back, held you back, hemmed you in, in the name of Jesus, I loose your worship. I loose the explosion of your heart towards God, the expression of God. Ooh, lift your hands right now. Just say, God, God, open their expression. Do you know you were designed to express yourself? You were designed to express yourself. You were designed to give expression. Mm. They came to Jesus. A a man came to Jesus one day and he said, I want you to come pray for my son. He said, well, what's the problem? He said, he's grievously vexed by a devil. He said, well, what's the problem? What kind of devil does he have? What kind of demon does he have? And he said, it's a spirit. It's a deaf and dumb spirit. You know what a deaf and dumb spirit is? Dumb ain't like you don't have no sense. It means I can't talk. It means he had, he had deaf and dumb. Notice the order there. Deaf always leads to dumb. Huh. It's not a dumb and deaf spirit because you don't speak before you hear. You hear before you speak. That's why if you ever have a speech problem, they don't examine your throat first. They examine your ear Why? It's because if you can't hear correctly, you can't speak correctly. Because whatever you can hear determines how you can speak. Because sooner or later, if you hear right, you will speak right. Is anybody with me right now? It's a deaf and dumb spirit. But when he brought him, when they brought Jesus to the son that had a deaf and dumb spirit, when he shows up, he said, well, what's the problem? He said, whenever he gets near fire, he throws himself in the fire. And then secondly, whenever he wants gets near water, he wants to drown himself in water. See, that doesn't sound like a deaf and dumb spirit. It sounds like a suicidal spirit. It sounds like a self-destructive spirit. Well, why would a deaf and dumb spirit, having thrown himself in the fire, 
and try to kill himself in fire and try to kill himself in water is because if you don't have the ability to express yourself, you will implode. The lack of self-expression leads to self-destruction. Oh, Lord, is anybody hearing me right now? And sooner or later, if you are not allowed to express, you will destruct. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this room, but the enemy's tried to shut you up. Mm. Look at your neighbor and say, your, your, your worship's been on shutdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your worship. Look, look, look at your neighbor and say, God's about to bring your worship out of quarantine. God's about to break you back out again. God's about to let your worship back out the house. God's about to let the worship back out of inside. You've been internalizing too much already. It's time for you to express some things again. Look at never say it's time to break out. Shake somebody next to you and say it's an outbreak. It's an outbreak. It's an outbreak. There's something in you that's got to break out of you. There's something in you. That's why he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, this thing ain't designed to stay in. This thing's designed to break out. And I declare there's an outbreak coming out of your belly, out of your spirit, out of your worship. Right now, lift your hands. And I want you to worship God however you worship God. I want you to, I'm not talking about quiet. Listen. Quiet, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I ain't fighting you for being quiet. I'm just telling you, I've seen you not quiet before. And it's time for you to open your mouth and declare something to God. It's nothing. Huh. He said, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. This ain't about your personality. This is about your expression. Say something, baby. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Oh. Oh. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say he kept me all the way. I've got to testimony <laughs> you overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the the worst thing to ever happen is to have a testimony and never give it look at him and say say something just, just, just tell him what he's done for you Tell, look, at, look at somebody next to you and, say, and, and tell, tell them one thing he's done for you. Just turn, look, look, turn, 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 turn. Give a testimony. Give a testimony. Give a testimony. What has God done for you? Look, there's, look at it. There's people in this room that are so hemmed up, they can't turn to their neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, get loose, baby. Get loose. What's God done for you? He woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. I'm breathing. That's a good start. <laughs> Away with this little cutesy, cutesy church. I'm ready for ugly, loud, nasty, hair-shaking church to come back. Worship team, you got me stirred up today. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise one time. 
Yes, Lord. Shout until hell gets nervous. Shout until your problem knows it hasn't won. Can I get an amen? Woo, I'm ready to preach now. Y'all ready? Amen. If you got your Bibles, get them out with me. I feel freedom in this house. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. <laughs> Woo. Charlie said something to me today, this week. Charlie said something this, this week that, that Pastor Joel said over at, at uh, Hampton Roads Church. He said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It didn't, it didn't say that where there is liberty, the Spirit of the Lord is. It means freedom doesn't come... The Spirit doesn't show up just where there's freedom. It's wherever the Spirit is, there's freedom. That means, that mean, that means you, you don't have to be freed up for the Spirit to be there. If the Spirit gets there, He frees you up. Oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I feel His Spirit in this house right now. And I declare freedom over your life. Can I get an amen? Somebody shout, I'm free. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Isaiah 54, verse 1 through 5 is where we've been based. I'm not going to read that today because just for time's sake, but that's where we're based out of. The barren woman did not conceive, stretch forth your curtains, cry aloud, all that. You did not travail with child. We preached that already. I want you to go with me. Luke chapter 5. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake, Genesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. Look at your neighbor say, it's about to get deep in here. And let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. Look at them say there's an outbreak. And they beckoned under their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're going to need some help. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For, I, for he was astonished at all that were with, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes that had been taken. Turn with me to verse 6. Verse 6 right back there. Verse 6, I think it is. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now turn with me to John 21. John 21, verse 1. 
after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or Gennesaret. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael, Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two of the other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Hmm, same catch. But when the morning was now come. <laughs> Jesus. Ain't that awesome right there? But in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he get his, girt, his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Look at your neighbor and say, do you smell what the Lord is cooking? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes and a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. In this Outbreak series, I want to minister for a few moments today on the subject, breaking the net. Hmm. Look at them and say, Jesus is about to break the net. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going back to school might have broke the internet, but Jesus is about to break the net. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence, your anointing. God, I feel hunger in this room. And you said, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Send an infilling in this room. Send an infilling across the internet. Send an infilling to every hungry and thirsty soul. If they came in here empty, let them leave here overflowing. I thank you, God, for it. And I give you the praise for it. Do what only you can do. Touch what we don't even know. Heal what we've never even seen. Reach into somebody's depth, God, and speak to something that they've never spoken out of them. And I give you praise and glory for it all. In the name above all, the only name that gets praised in this house, that name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As you're seated next to you and say, there's about to be an outbreak. Amen. I'm going to move fast, so y'all with me? All right. Something that was amazing to me as Jesus began to walk and minister and began to lead people, you begin to find him 
in our text in Luke, you begin to find him in a place where he is building, beginning to recruit his disciples that are going to build the ministry. And I love it because whenever Jesus gets ready to come and begin to say, okay, I'm ready for my ministry to begin and I'm ready to build ministry, he, he doesn't go down to the synagogue. He doesn't go to the, the first Jewish seminary. He doesn't go to Israel University to see somebody who's matriculated from ministries degree and a master's and doctorate in theology. He goes fishing. <laughs> and he goes to these guys who smell like fish guts. And they're washing their nets. And he walks up to them, still smelling like you smell when you fish. Anybody ever fished and and then left fishing and had to go somewhere else after fishing. And you walk in the room and your aroma walks in before you. <laughs> because I don't care how neatly you fish. If you fish, you're going to smell like fish. And, 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 and here they are, smelling like fish, have toiled and worked all night. And they're washing their nets. And Jesus walks up to them. And he walks up to them, and I love it. And he says, hey, man, give me your boat. <laughs> this is a fisherman. This guy does this for a living. This is my livelihood you're asking for. And Jesus says, yeah. Give me everything your everything comes from. Is anybody with me right now? I love this for number one because this breaks everybody's mindset about Jesus and poverty. Because people have always preached this, that he became poor, that we might be rich. Like the, that because they always use these scriptures like, like, you know, thinking it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, and all that's true and wonderful. And he became poor that we might, like he poured out of his glory, he poured out of his omniscience, he poured out of himself all of that, all, all the majesty of being king. But just because he poured out the looks of a king doesn't make him not king. Lean up and say, he still got it all. I love it because people are like, Jesus. Jesus was poor, that's why, that's why he's designed ministry to be poor. Like anything that, comes to the, anything that comes to ministry ought to be just given to poor people. You know, that's, only, that's, the, that's the thing that exposed Judas was that spirit. You know, before Judas ever sold Jesus out, he sold out his worship. The woman we just talked about breaking the box at the alabaster box at his feet... Do you know that's the moment that we see Judas pick his head up? You don't hear from Judas ever in Scripture until that level of worship and giving breaks out in a house. She gave her entire year's salary. Her lifetime saving breaks it at Jesus' feet. And all of a sudden Judas, out of nowhere, just says, this is such a waste. 
Notice, I mean, Judas is the guy who's the treasurer. He's the guy with the bag. Now, that's number one about Jesus that I just, he has a level of leadership I don't. Because he already knows who Judas is when he hands Judas his bag. It means, Judas, I'm giving you the money, but I know who you are. Are you with me in this room right now? I don't have that level of ministry because I need to know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm under the guise, you don't trust what's not been tried. Is anybody with me right now? Test it before you trust it. That means I'm going to give you a couple dollars and see how you handle it. Anybody with me? I want to see you faithful over a few things before I make you ruler over much. But Jesus was like, no, here's, here's the bag. But here's the problem. It's because this wasn't a money problem. This was a control problem. Can I tell you, church and ministries never had a money problem. Church has only ever had control problems. Notice something, Judas doesn't, Judas is not wanting to hinder giving. He didn't say, she shouldn't have given this. That's not what he said. He said, this was a waste. Why was this a waste, Judas? Because this could have been sold and used to give to the poor. See, it's not a giving problem. It's a control problem. He doesn't mind her giving it. He just wants to control where it goes once it's given. See, most people don't mind people giving in the church. They just want to know, what'd you do with it when I gave it? That's, that's, that, that's, why I got, that's why I got pastor friends who hide their real car in their garage. They only drive it when they ain't going to church. Oh, it's quiet in here right now. It's, because, it's not because there's a money problem, there's a control problem. Ooh. It's because they think that that's a waste. It got quiet all of a sudden. It's going to get better. I promise. We ain't going there all day. And, 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 and he says, this is a waste. And all of a sudden, he said, leave her alone. You remember that? And, 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 and here he is. Here he is. And, and he's wanting you to understand, like, I, I need you to understand there's never been an issue with this. I, I need you to understand why I'm raising you and what I'm doing and why I choose what I choose and how I do what I do is because he wants you to understand what it's going to take for you to function. I need you. He comes to Peter and he says, watch this. He says, give me your boat. That's why, that's why Jesus was not broke. Number one, if Jesus was broke, there'd be no treasurer. You don't need a treasurer for nothing. If you have an accountant, it's not because... You paid him for nothing, it's because there's something he's got to account for. Ah, ooh, is anybody with me right now? Jesus is so not broke that, that all of a sudden he's got tax issues. You don't get tax issues when there ain't nothing to tax. 
He's got so much tax issues that the disciples are stressed out about the taxes. The disciples are so stressed out about taxes that they're coming to him going, Jesus, I forgot. We didn't pay our taxes. We got to go find tax money. And Jesus goes, you need tax money? All right, I'm going to get you to go back and do what you do. Go back and fish. And this time when you fish, I want you to open the mouth of the fish. And inside the fish mouth, I got your tax money. Oh, I love Jesus. Look at him say, Jesus ain't never broke. Jesus ain't never broke. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I Away with this mindset and mentality where you got to be broke to be spiritual. No, the devil is a liar. God said, God said, where I put my blessing, I want to, re in fact, God said, I will show forth the, in those days, I will restore the glory back to Zion. You want to know what glory is? Glory is not just spiritual dance. He said, when I restore glory back to Zion, I'm going to put some money back on my house so that when you come in my house, it looks like glory Ooh. quiet now Jesus is so you said well Jesus didn't have anything he had it all Jesus had the best kind of thing he had everybody else's thing Jesus didn't need a boat Peter's got one and Jesus says yo dude give me your boat Oh, I love it. I love it. Why do I need a boat when my buddy's got a boat? Now I can fish and he makes the payment. <laughs> He's like, give me a boat. Can I, can, I, can I use your boat? He said, yeah, come on. And he gets out in the middle of the boat. And he just starts releasing treasure until all of a sudden he's Peter's fallen at his feet but Peter didn't fall at his feet just by his message he said hey Pete now that I'm done preaching you want to fish Peter goes Lord we've been out there all night we just got done fishing. That's why we were washing our nets, because we're just done. It ain't our night. Have you ever tried everything you always try? And yet you don't have anything to show for it? Everybody been, anybody ever been through a season of frustration? Where what should have worked didn't work? And you're at the point of giving up? And you're at the point of quitting. And you're at the point of hanging up the net. I don't know who I'm talking to who is about to hang your net. He's asking if you want to do some deep sea fishing. He said, here's what I need you to do. Let's launch out into the deep. <laughs> I love this because Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to fish. I want you to deep sea fish. Perhaps, Peter, it's not that there ain't no fish. It's just you've been fishing too shallow. 
Perhaps you've tried to shallow the fish because you thought you could catch more fish in shallow waters. But I don't need you to catch more fish. I need to show you I'm going to give you to catch the right fish. Ah! Look at them say, small fish don't swim in deep water. God said, it's time for ministry church to launch back out to the deep. Oh, listen to me. If you're watching over the internet, I speak over the body of Christ. We've gotten too shallow. We've gotten too surface. We've gotten too flesh. Is anybody with me right here? We're just too cute. We're just too cute. We're just too cute with our Gucci jeans. It's time to go back to the deep. I don't know why, but I feel God raising a hunger. I feel God raising some people up that are tired of superficial church, that are tired of just that I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, that are ready to get back to the depths that say, God, deep cries unto deep. God, I want you to reach into the deep of me, and I want to go into the deep of you. And God, I want everything you got that can't be found in the shallow water. I want to go to where there's deep beyond over my head. I want to go to that place that's unsafe. I want to go to that place that's risky in you. I want to go to that place that if you don't hold me up, I'm drowning. I want to go to that place where I have to trust you on a depth that I don't have to trust you when I'm just getting my toes wet in the church. Is anybody with me right now? They're going to say, I'm about to go deeper. I'm about to go deeper. And they get out to the deep, and I'm hurrying. And he says, cast your net. And he said, we've done this all night, but at your word. And when they cast their net this time, See, it's not doing church and doing ministry and doing your life how you've always done it. It's doing it how he's asking you to do it. It's at his word. How's he saying to do it right now? Not what he said. That's why the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Is because you ain't going to catch this drought doing what he said to the church. You're going to... The only way you're going to catch this is if you're doing what he's saying to the church. That means what he said two years ago ain't going to work this year in your life. That means you got to be able to hear what he's saying to do now. It's because his plan hasn't changed, but his tactics in your life may have shifted. Oh, Lord. Look at him and say, can God change his tactics? Can God change his tactics? Can God change your tackle? Can God change your tackle and your tactics? Or are you going to keep trying to catch deep sea fish with shallow gear? Mm. He said, launch out. He said, but at your word. And this time, because they did it his way. I love that song today. So much better your way. Ooh, anybody a witness in here is so much better. It's so much better when you stop trying to do it your way. And you just say, God, I just give in. I'm not doing it the way I've always done it 
or the way I think it should be done. I'm going to do it your way. And this time when they pull it in, they can't pull it in. Because the moment they start to pull it in, their necks are breaking. Can I tell you, in the midst of things shutting down, in the midst of everything look like it's decreasing, in the midst of everything, can I tell you we're in the middle of seeing the most abundant harvest we've ever seen in our entire life. Does anybody else feel that in their spirit? Does anybody feel like this is about to be a setup? Does anybody feel like God decreased so that he might increase? Has anybody been feeling like God's been letting what you've been doing shut down so that now he can do what will bring an outbreak? Has anybody else been feeling like God's been letting everything we've done with our own way and doing it our own self begin to spring decrease because now God is about to bring an increase like we've never seen before. Look at your neighbor say, you're about to see an increase. You're about to see an increase. You're about to see an increase. God's about to bring a harvest in your life. Matter of fact, lay your hand. Grab the hand of somebody next to you right now and, and declare God's about to break your net. 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 God's about to blow your mind. What you couldn't do all night long. What looks like you've labored. You've tried. And you've been saying, God, it's just not the right night. And it's just not the right season. It's just not the season to catch. It's not the season to grow. It's not the season to see blessing. God said, watch what I do with one. One word, one word of obedience. With one act of obedience, I'm going to allow what looked like decrease to turn into increase you can't handle. With one blessing, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive. I'm going to break your net. Somebody just shout, yes, Lord. I will cast the net. I've been doing it all night, but I'll do it one more time for you. I've been trying and trying, but I'm going to try one more time for you. I've been doing everything I know to do in my house, in my marriage, with my kids. I've done everything, but one more prayer, one more faith, one more hallelujah, one more yes, Lord, I will. Sit down, sit down. That's just warm up. We're getting there. Somebody say, break the net, Lord. Break the net. Then all of a sudden, he, he said, that's what makes it supernatural. That's what makes it God. It's because it's out of season. It's out of time. It's not the right time. It's not the right season. It's not the right environment. It's not the right climate. <laughs> That's like Isaac. He sowed in the land. He sowed in famine. He sowed in a drought. He sowed in the land that didn't even have any moisture in it. He sowed into a land that didn't even have no rain and is dry and barren and he's putting seed in powder. And God said because he sowed in famine in that same year, he reaped a hundredfold. And then the Lord 
blessed him. God said, I'm going to give you an out-of-season miracle. I'm going to give you a miracle that don't make sense with the environment. It don't make sense with the climate. It doesn't make sense with what's going on. Everything looks like a famine, but I'm about to give you an overflow outbreak you can't handle harvest. Somebody shall break the net. That's how the ministry began. Here we come all three and a half years later. They've gone through so much with him. They've followed, they've walked and seen him do all kinds of things. But they're walking in unfamiliar territory. Because now, right at the height of his success, he dies. What do you do? When you dropped your nets to follow him. Because he gave you a promise of a kingdom. And now the king is hanging bleeding to death on a tree. And, and he's dead. And buried. And then three days later, he's risen again. And now they're, he's trying to show himself risen to his disciples. And they can't, they, I mean, he's been saying this for a while now. He's been saying, man, I'm going away, but I'm going to be re returning again. I'm, I'm showing you. I've been telling you all day, tear this thing down. In three days, I'll resurrect it. I want to show you it's better that I go. I want to show you that I have to die. I must. That you might, I, I've been telling you. I've been prepping you all the way. But there's some things God's been preparing for you for that I don't care how prepared he tries to make you. You ain't prepared for it when it happens. Anybody ever try, everybody, anybody ever knew something that you had to prepare for and you were preparing for it and you were preparing for it, but when you started going through it, I don't care what level of preparation you were prepared for, it didn't prepare you for what really would happen when it happened. See, and yet, see, see, saying yes to the thoughts of the cross was a lot easier than saying yes to the cross itself. See, it's a lot easier saying yes to it before you go through it than when you actually start going through it. Because when you start going through it, you realize how much it costs to what you said yes to. Oh, that's why he said, don't let anybody build a house unless he first counts the cost. Because the worst thing you can happen is that you get halfway through the building project and go, this is costing too much. This requires too much. Well, you should have counted the cost before you said, yes because honey it always costs more than you think it does when you said yes before you did it because you haven't tested your commitment until strength runs out and all you have is commitment Woo. and all of a sudden he dies, he's buried, and resurrected. And they're scratching their, what? He's dead, he's buried. And here's Peter, and Peter's like, he prophesied I'd betray him. I said that I wouldn't. I said, I don't know who's going to betray you, but I know it ain't going to be me. And then he says, three days before the cross thrice, you're going to betray me. And all of a sudden now, I betray, I did it, and now I feel like a failure. And now he's resurrected, and now. 
Is it, there's so much, anybody ever has so much going on that it's just overwhelming? And it's not that it's bad and it's not that it's good, it's just so much happening all at the same time that you feel like, God, I can't handle all this. And now Peter's just overwhelmed, and because Peter's overwhelmed, he does what he, everyone does when they're overwhelmed. He goes back to a familiar place. Because there's always these points in your life that you anchor to. There's always these safety nets. There's always these places that are familiar enough to feel like home. Mm. There's always these places that are your comfort zones, even if they're uncomfortable. What makes somebody go back to something they know is killing them and yet they keep going back? Is because, though it's killing me, I'm comfortable in the killing. Because it's what I know. And he runs back and he says, this is too much for me. I go fishing. I like that. Because I, I just want to change this. I go hunting. Because he does what every pastor needs to do every now and then when you get overwhelmed. You need to just go fishing. Take a vacation. Get in the woods. Anybody with me here? Take a break. I can't do it. I just need to get. But he runs back to fishing. Because I'm going to go back to the place I was before this all. See, that's the challenge. Because sometimes we want to go back to where we were, even if where we were. Like when you're halfway to the promised land. And the desert feels hot. And you don't like who's leading you. And you're complaining. And it's difficult. And it's stressful. Maybe we were better back in Egypt. Because in Egypt, we never were like this. So I'd rather go back to my bondage. Because I'm 400 years accustomed to bondage. Even though God I know still has a promise. But the promise is unfamiliar. Because I've never seen the promise. But I know the, the comfortable pain of Egypt. I go fishing. And he says, I'm going fishing. All of a sudden, all the other disciples around him say, you know what? We don't know what to do either. We're going with you. Ain't that like church, man? It's just like church. Like, <laughs> oh, when they have no sense of direction, they'll follow any direction. Because they, they, they're tied to familiarity for direction. Ooh. That means I'll just go where you go because you're going there. That's where I'll go because I don't know where to go. 
And I got issues with that. Because I can understand why Peter wants to get in the boat. But what are all these other jokers doing in the boat? I mean, man, you don't know nothing about no fishing. I mean, I mean, there's guys in the boat that they're talking, they're giving the list of disciples that have no fishing background. They're just there cutting bait. And they're out there all night, and I'm hurrying. Anybody receiving anything yet? They're out there all night. And now they're really in a familiar place. Because they know what it is to fish all night and catch nothing. And Jesus goes, where are these guys at? Where are they at? I'm trying to show them that I'm alive. I'm resurrected. I'm ready to empower them in Pentecost. And I can't find them nowhere. See, because you don't know your level of commitment until what you are committed to is dead and buried. See, that's why I love those, that's why I love them chicks that came to the tomb. Because there's something, there's something, there's something about somebody who even when everybody else has given up because there's every reason to give up, that don't give up. Oh, when their level of commitment goes so deep that now you're in the grave and you're in the tomb, ministry shut down, dead, over, everything you said looks like it's over and done, but they're still coming the next day just to see how the tomb looks because I'm still committed to you even if you are dead and buried and in a grave because I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is that I'm not done being committed to you. You may look like you're done, but I'm not done because I just know who you are. And all of a sudden they they, they come and he's resurrected. And the disciples say, I don't know. And they're all in the boat. And he's like, where are these guys? Oh, I know where people go. I know where people go when they're uncertain of a future. but they're real familiar with the past. I'm going to go where I found them. And he comes walking to the same lake. And they've been out there all night and they caught I like that right there. Anybody ever have a long night of nothing? And Jesus show up in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but in the morning. I like it because, number one, it lets me know that it wasn't that morning came and then Jesus showed up. It says, in the morning, Jesus stood on the seashore. It lets me know that it wasn't that Jesus waited all night until morning and then came. It lets me know that when the morning came, they saw him standing there because he had always been there even in the middle of their night. 
that oh, perhaps it wasn't that Jesus waited till your fight was over to show up at the end of it. Perhaps he was standing there. The darkness of your fight just wouldn't let you see that he'd been there all the time. But in the morning, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus in the morning stood on the seashore and he yells out to them and who Jesus has a way to talk to you he has a way to cut through all your mess like the woman at the well when she's talking about and he starts trying to have a conversation with her and and he starts talking about you know ministering to her and in the middle of it she starts saying well I'm I don't know why you're talking to me because you're not even supposed to be talking to me because I am a Jew and you, I am a Samaritan and you are a Jew. And the Jews have no dealings with us Samaritans. And not only that, but some say we should worship on the mountain and some say we should worship in the valley. Where do you think that we should worship? See, this is how you deal. <laughs> Woo. See, because the moment you start really seeing God begin to intervene and, inter and, and come in and invade your life is the moment he starts dealing with all your little petty walls. Look at him and say, there's some walls. Notice the first thing that she, notice the first wall that goes up to Jesus at the well is that she says, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we have no dealings. The first card that she pulls to bring separation between her and him is the race card. Ooh, it's tight in here now. Why? It's because, ooh. It's because I'm a Samaritan and, you, and you're a Jew. You have no dealings with us. We go to church over here and you go to church over there. We got this side of town and you got that side of town. We like to go these places and you go that place. We worship on this beat and you worship on that beat. Ha! We holler and you sit quiet. We, our preacher wears a robe and y'all's got skinny jeans with red socks on. Y'all, is anybody hearing me right now? I don't know if I can get, why? It's because the first thing he's gonna do is deal with your familial area, your family area, where your family came from. Because the first thing I'm gonna crush is every bit of racism that's down in your belly. Oh, I feel freedom now. You know whoever got angry in here? Yep. Mm. Why do you think it is the first thing that happens at the day of Pentecost? They start speaking in tongues that they don't understand. Because the first thing I got to do is break down your culture. Oh, Selah. Let's mingle in that for a while. Let's let that marinate. Second thing he thinks is he says, we worship over here. We worship It's styles of worship. Well, I don't like, it's too loud. It's too soft. It's too, he said, no, no, no. He said, when you really want to move a God, 
You don't care if it's black, it's white, it's red, it's green, it's yellow. He said, when you really want a move of God, you don't care whether it's on this beat, that beat. You don't care whether they got a robe. You don't care whether they got a collar. You don't care whether they got no, they, got, they could be in flip-flops up here. It makes no difference. All I need is the word of the living God. All I need is though that it's the real spirit of the Lord. Oh, all I need to know is that it's really God's kingdom that's coming out of your belly. Because in the kingdom, we don't have no culture but the culture of the king in the kingdom the only you got to check your culture at the door because now we walk like the king we talk like the king we act like the king we're a holy nation a peculiar people look at them and say you ain't seen our kind before you ain't seen our kind before you ain't seen our kind before I came to prophesy to Hampton Roads I came to prophesy to the nation of the United States I came to prophesy across the world around this entire globe you ain't seen a people like this before. They're about to come from every tribe, in every nation, in every background, in every pedigree. A peculiar, strange, got no home on earth people. Look at them and say, I'm a new creature. 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 Look at them and say, I'm a new race. Yeah, yeah, I don't have no right. I'm a new culture. I'm a new people, a peculiar people. I, encha- I change entire nationalities. I'm no longer a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. If you, I'm going to start talking with a kingdom accent in a minute. I'm, hey! I'm going to start talking with a little kingdom swine to it. Why? It's because, it's because I sound like my master. I sound like my culture. I sound like my kid. I know I'm loud. He's loud. He sounds like like many waters if he opens his mouth it sounds like a trumpet I serve a God and a king whose eyes are like fire whose hair is like wool how is anybody hearing me and out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword thinking to say there's about to be a kingdom culture When it gets overwhelming, no matter how much you know it's real, it's unfamiliar. See, it's one thing for this message to be preached in your church from an evangelist who will be gone next week. Because then you can shout over it and then go back to live like you do. But the problem is... I ain't going nowhere. You can. It's all right. I love you. We still be brothers and sisters, but up in here, 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 the king reigns in this house. The kingdom reigns in this place. The how? Oh! And if you ain't kingdom, you're going to get real uncomfortable. I'm done. done. Come play something quickly. (laughs) While I still got a church to get together. Uh, Oh, anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this room? I feel the anointing of God. 
I feel the love. You say, it sounds like you, I ain't, no, 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 this is coming out of love, baby, because I know what's in this house. There's gifts that you've never seen before. There's things this world's never held before. There's a world-class, world-shaking anointing in this place, and God's saying, if you'll just come out of where you were, and if you'll come out of your box, and if you'll come out of the places of familiarity, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a thing you ain't never seen before, but don't try to do something you never seen. While holding on to things you know. Because there's a future God has waiting for you. It's going to require you not trusting them old nets. And he runs back and he asks the question. He says, children... how long we've been fishing. Master, we've been out here all night. See, because we think that working harder and longer proves it's working. <laughs> but you can work for 30 years and still have nothing. See, that's why when we get up in service, when we step up in testimony service, and I'm saved. Been saved for 40 years. Sanctified. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Mighty burning fire. And then we sit down. Oh, so, so that's your testimony. Your testimony is that you were able to keep yourself saved. For 40 years. Hey, they've been saved a long time. Hey, they've been saved a long time. Hey, they've been like as if saved a long time makes you more saved than a short time. Because saved ain't nothing but saved. And just because you've been doing it a long time. been married a long time. Oh, you want me to go back preaching church? You want to keep it in his house and not come to yours? What happens when you've been saved 60 years? You've been married 60 years. But you really stopped being married year two. have a piece of paper. You can be married. And still not have a marriage. Never seen y'all. Y'all don't 
work is just you validating your own self. Aren't you telling me not to be a hard worker? No, I know you worship hard work. I'm not messing with your idol. Is that why you get mad when somebody gets a big check and they didn't do as much as you did? It's because maybe they just obeyed God once and it took you all night. still working on your harvest and all they did is step into his have ye any need I came to ask somebody a question I know it's deep it's, and I might not have church next week disciples because at least they had the audacity to do what we want. See, we like to talk about the boat. Who we got in the boat? Got some powerful people in the boat. Got John in the boat. The boat's look at my boat, Jesus. And then an awesome boat. Got some stained glass in the boat. Look, we got chandeliers hanging in the boat. We got the fancy boat up in here. say, hey, come over here. He says, just drop your net on the right side. Right on the spot they were fishing all night and caught nothing is the very spot he says, keep fishing, but turn the net on the other side. It means there's more fish under you than you thought. That means you don't need to go nowhere. Quit thinking you need to move territory. Quit thinking you need to move the ship. You need to run from here and maybe there ain't no shit fish here. And you're used. No, 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 no. It's here. It's just been waiting on you to trust my voice. One word. And right where you thought was your place of empty is about to be the place of your net breaking. And all of a sudden you pull it. And they can't hardly pull it in. Watch this. But this time they're smart they turn and they got the little ship next to them Peter turns and says oh no is that the Lord 
Is that? And he turns to John. Why has he turned to John? Oh, I know I got. I know I've gone long. Why is it? Is it? Can I do this? Can I finish this? He said, what, 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 "Why is he turned to John? He turns to John because the John, John, John ain't known to Jesus by his name. John's known to Jesus by his relationship." Because John, it says, it doesn't say, and John said, it said the disciple whom Jesus loved said it is the Lord. Because if you really want to know if it's God, then ask a worshiper. Because a worshiper can let you know if it's really his presence or not. Don't put John out the boat. I know John's gotten unpopular in church today because we like to have a nice controlled atmosphere. And John's that guy who shouts in the middle of service. John's that guy who rolls in the floor under the Holy Ghost. John's that guy who does that chicken neck thing in the corner. Don't put John out of the boat. Let John do his dance. Let John shout. Let John holler. Why? Because when you're not sure if it's really Jesus or not, a worshiper can let you know the real presence. It is the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, it is the Lord. What you feel in this room right now, it is the Lord. What you sense in the presence of God, it is the Lord. That freedom that's in this place, that's, it is the Lord. That power that's coming in to take over everything you've been fighting for and toiling for and not seeing results in, it is the Lord. He's about to turn this around. Stand with me all over this room. In the moment Peter says, it's the Lord, now Peter has a choice. See, I thought that the toiling all night was the struggle. Charlie, when I got ready to preach this message, I, I almost wanted to preach it out of the toil. Because I thought the toiling all night was what they did the first time. Toiling all night is what they did the second time. And God wants to show you, you've toiled all night. But I, but I found out that ain't the real test. The real test is not when you don't have anything. See, everybody thinks that the struggle to get something is the real struggle. You ain't seen struggle until now he answers what you thought you never had. Because now there comes the real test. Was I after him for the fish? Or was I after him for who he is? He's been Jehovah Jireh. He's been my provider. What do I want more? Why do I come to church? Am I coming to church so he'll be my supply? So he'll be my healer? So he'll be my way maker? Miracle worker? have the miracle you still want the worker as long as you can get all his benefits and not forget the benefactor then you can get the blessings and still want more of the blessing 
And now Peter has a choice. I got all this fish that I can't even handle. I'm having to call a little ship next to me just to handle the load because I remember the last time that my net broke. And I can't, come, 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 come. We ain't going to let the net break this time. all these fish and now he has a choice do I stay with the fish or do I go after and he says it is Lord and Peter says you know what and he girts his fisher coat under him and he says I love y'all and I'm thankful for these fish but I met him when I didn't get anything I met him on a night of empty before. And I realized this ain't the first time he's been my supply. That means I can't trust this supply. Because if I trust the fish, all I got is these three of the sub fish. You can keep. See, it's dangerous to hang with somebody who's already given up everything. I can watch it all walk away. And I know who brought it the first time. You can eat the fish. I'm going to him. And all of a sudden he jumps out the boat and starts swimming to And somebody next to you say, excuse me, I got to go after Jesus. Excuse me, I got to go after Jesus. I, 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 like, I like everything he's blessed me with. He's touched me. He's moved. He's provided for me. He's given me so much. I'm so grateful that I got clothes on my back and food on my, food on my table. And I got clothes. I got a roof over my head. I got all this stuff. But you can take all that. I'm going after Jesus. I'm going after him. He's my everything. And now he's swimming. But as he's swimming to him, He's saying, you can take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. See, you don't know how much it's his until he asks for it back. And now, but the coolest thing that happens is that while he's on the way to the shore, do it like the rock he starts that can't be what I think it is cause I left all that in the boat I smell fish and when he gets to the shore he finds a fire with a frying pan and fish laid thereon and Jesus is flipping fried fish and he's saying come on Peter in fact I've been waiting for you you can bring all them other fish you caught come on let's fry them up because the moment you let go of what you thought you had to let go of to find out that when you come after me you get everything you dreamed of and more that I was just waiting to see 
if you could let it go for what I already have prepared for you. <laughs> oh, see, while you were catching, trying to catch fish, he was already cleaning them. Lift your hands all over this room. I feel the presence of God. But this time it's different. You want to know what this difference was? The difference was this time the net didn't break. Because it's easy to quit when what you were doing can't be done anymore. It's easy to let go of it when he breaks the net. It's not easy to let go of it when you're in the middle of it and you got more than you can handle and it still can work. Because the real trust is I want to break your relationship with the net. I don't want to have to break come after me when you can still do what you were doing. I want to come after me when your safety net's still intact. But you say, go ahead and drop the net. I'm going to walk this high wire without it. I'm going to trust him and he's going to be my I don't need my familiar net anymore. I ain't going your hands all over this room right now, the presence of God. I don't know who I'm speaking to in this room. There's some stuff he's wanting you to let go of. There's some stuff you're going to have to surrender. Ain't it amazing? The first time he said, met them, he said, drop your nets. But this time he doesn't ask them. in this room, you're in some unfamiliar territory. Everybody on this internet, I don't have to ask you if 2020 has brought you into unfamiliar places. My question is, have ye somebody in this room and it's not because they're empty that they want him it's because they realize he's the source of everything full that he's not only is their provision he's been the provision because he's more than provision he is everything and somebody in this room God's calling you back to him He's saying, I want to take you into some places if you'll trust me with what you've never been able to let go of. 
Will you stop? Will you stop running back to things? Will you stop going to this, that, and the other that's always familiar? Will you stop going to things that have always left you empty? Will you stop going to things that have always been conditional? Will you stop running back to safe places that always leave you unfulfilled? calling you to somewhere you've never gone because I'm about to do some things you've never seen me do in your life it's time to go overboard it's time to go overboard Lift your hands all over this room. You're in this room. You say, you're speaking to me, Bishop. I don't care what area it's in. It could be in your family. It could be in your home. It could be in your finances. It could be in your ministry, your calling. But God's saying, are you ready to jump out the boat? Are you ready to come after me if there ain't nothing you can bring with you? Are you ready to go after where, I'm, where I am and what I am and for me to be everything again in your life? If you say that's me, I want you to get out of your seat right now. It could be in your family, in your home and everything. He's calling you into something. He's telling you to make some steps. He's, his presence is pulling you. His presence is pulling you. You say that's me. I want you to get out of your seat and just come stand with us in this room. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I'm leaving the safety net behind. I'm leaving. Woo. 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 Lift your hands all over this room. Nobody looking around because God's dealing with multiple people. There's so many more people in this room that God's pulling on right now. And he's pulling you. And he's saying, can you let go of that net? Can you let go of your past? Can you let go of what you've always been back, back to and been back to and you've known? Will you let me do the unknowable in your life? Will you let me do what you've never seen done? let me do some scary things? Will you let me do some scary things? Will you let me do some risky things? Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to stay connected with Limitless Church, please check us out on all social media platforms at Limitless CHR. We'll see you next time.